Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. God is in control. Like he's in way more control than what I even know about, what I even think about. Nothing gets past him. And he's down to like the minute details of like Bernice. Yeah, Bernice is going to marry this dude. And then that's not even going to work out. And then Cleopatra, she's part of this plan. And yeah, and that's not even going to work out. And we're like, why is that even that's why is it in there? Because God cares about the details. Do you ever come across a passage in the Bible that just seems unnecessary? Whether it's a long genealogy or a historical account that goes into the smallest of details, sometimes it's easy to skim over those parts. It's tempting to say it's just not relevant for you. But today, Pastor James shows us that even those minute details play a role in our understanding of God. If he cared enough to include those small details of someone's life in the Bible, then he cares about the details of your life as well. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Daniel chapter 11 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Verse 1 of chapter 11 says, I've been standing beside Michael to support you. This is Gabriel going on from, from chapter 10. I don't know where your Bible transitions it at, but I've been standing beside Michael to strengthen him since the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede. And then my New Living Translation now transfers, goes over into chapter 11, but it picks up in verse 2 because it, it created a bridge there, right? Yours may not do that, but just remember there are no chapters and no verses in the original manuscripts, people, okay? So if you're like, no, let's throw that Bible away, it's, no, it's, it's calm down. <laughs> Verse 2, chapter 11 says this, now then I will reveal to you the truth to you. Three more Persian kings will reign to be succeeded by a fourth far richer than the others. He will use his wealth to stir up everyone to fight against the kingdom of Greece, all right? So we'll pause right there. So this angel who is there with Daniel is going to bring a little bit more clarity concerning what's about to happen. Now, our focus for this chapter is the third kingdom that arises, okay? So I think it's 2, 7, 9, and 11 all deal with this, right? So we're going to look at these, um, this third kingdom that's going to arise. This will be Greece, right, primarily, but it's, it's also got a little bit of the second kingdom, the Medes and the Persians, but... He says there's three more Persian kings that, that are going to arise, Cyrus, Cambyses, I don't know how you say his name, and then Darius. Then the fourth one, who will be far richer than the other ones, well, that's Xerxes, okay? We know Xerxes, right? You may not know of any of the other guys. Cyrus, you probably have heard before. Xerxes for sure, because Xerxes is found in the book of Esther. He's the guy ruling when Esther starts, right? So Xerxes would be the fourth one that this is speaking of in verse two here, and he was far richer than any of the other ones. And that's, we, you know that historically. You can go back historically and look at him. He was very successful as a ruler to that extent. It says he will use his wealth to stir up everyone to fight against the kingdom of Greece, right? So the Greece is the incoming empire. Xerxes is going to try to fight against that. Well, we already know because the Bible's told us it's not going to work. It's not going to work. I don't care how much money you have. 
I don't care how much power you think you have. Your plans will never usurp God's plans. Okay? And that's just how it is. He would be, end up being defeated by um, Selenius in 480 BC. Xerxes would. Okay? And so then Medes and Persians and all that good stuff, it's the sun is setting on that empire. Verse 3. Then a mighty king will rise to power who will rule with great authority and accomplish everything he sets out to do. A mighty king. This mighty king is Alexander the Great. Okay? Alexander the Great. He will accomplish everything he sets out to do. And we know historically he did just that. Wherever he wanted to conquer, he conquered. He did it swiftly, very quickly. And his life was cut short, 32 years old. 32 years old. Goes out, uh, is in Babylon, drunken party, gets sick, gets a fever, dies. 32 years old. The known ruler of the world is taken out. And so what we know naturally, you would think like, well, he's got an heir. An heir would replace him and all that good stuff. Well, he did have sons, but his sons, he had, a, he had an uncle. He wasn't fit to rule. Uh, he had two sons. Eventually, those sons end up getting murdered. And so what the Bible said was going to happen, happened. Because the Bible said this leopard's going to have four heads, meaning four rulers. And that's exactly what happens because Greece is split off into four different distinct groups with four rulers. The Bible said that's how it's going to happen. And it's just amazing. Alexander, he had sons. His sons would have naturally taken over that throne. Well, somebody killed his two sons. So the, for them, the log- next logical thing is, well, he has to appoint four guys to rule as he was on his deathbed, basically. So his two sons are murdered. He, he appoints four generals. There's uh, Seleucius. I don't know if it's how you say that. He's from, uh, he ruled over Syria and Mesopotamia. You have uh, Ptolemy. The P is silent. Ptolemy. He ruled over Egypt. Okay. Let's see here. Lysimachus. I don't know. Like, I'm not really too concerned. I don't know any of these guys, and they don't know me, so it's fine. Um, Macus, we'll just call him that. But he ruled over Thrace and basically Asia Minor. That's kind of where he ruled over. Cassander over Macedonia and Greece, right? So you got Greece, Alexander's kingdom is split off by, into four distinct groups ruled by these four generals. They would represent the four heads of the leopard, right? Um, so, but Alexander was a great king. He did rise to power, he had great authority, accomplished whatever he set out to do. Verse four, but at the height of his power, his kingdom will be broken apart and divided into four parts. Well, that's exactly what happened at the height of his power, literally at the height of his power. And he himself was complaining. He was crying because he's like, there's nowhere else for me to rule and to conquer. I've conquered everything. And he was literally like throwing a fit about that. Then he lets his judgment get the best of him and he dies. But what the Bible says, now you need to understand that this is hundreds of years before this happens. Hundreds of years, like 200 years before Greece is even an empire. 400 years before some of these kings are even thought of being born. That's why people say like, no, it had to have been written hundreds of years. And then it was like, you know, somebody just like pretended they were Daniel and inserted it back into the book. I understand that argument if you don't believe that God is who he is. I believe God is who he is. And I believe God knows exactly what was going to happen to Alexander the Great 
and he knows the number of hairs on our heads and all that good stuff. He knows the day you're going to be born. He knows the day you're going to die. He has it already planned out. It's already planned out. I mean, that's just it. He's, he knows. He's not surprised by anything. You cannot surprise God. You cannot surprise God, right? It's just impossible. And so he is communicating by way of Gabriel, who's a messenger, who's an angel, to Daniel, here's what's going to happen. Okay, so it's broken apart. It would not be ruled by the king's descendant. I just told you that. His two sons would end up dying, so none of his descendants would rule. Nor will the kingdom hold the authority it once had, for his empire will be uprooted and given to others. So again, it's split off into four, and it's, it's just not as strong as it was with Alexander. The king of the south, verse 5, this is, um, so 5 through 20 are like going to be a, just a, a different section, okay? So that was, you know, Greece and Alexander, and so now we're going to like focus in on just one of the kings primarily, or the generals, and that's 5 through 20. So this is like more history stuff, like crazy. Verse 5, the king of the south will rise in power, but one of his own officials will become more powerful than he and will rule his kingdom with great strength. So the king of the south would be Ptolemy, right? So he was ruling over Egypt. So he's the king of the south, right? King of the north is um, Seleucus, I guess that's how you say his name. Remember, he's ruling over Syria and Mesopotamia. So he's the north, Ptolemy's the south. King of the north, king of the south. And these guys are going to they're just going to engage for hundreds of years, about 140 years of just constant war. And Israel is stuck in the middle. Israel is literally like stuck in the middle. Okay. So when I'm like reading through this and studying this, I was just like, King of the North, King of the South. My head is just like, I'm like, what? And all I can think about is like Lord of the Rings type stuff. Cause I just started listening through that book and I'm like, what? I don't know anything that's going on right now. And the, the, my job is just to bring some clarity. And uh, so you'll understand Ptolemy, king of the south, the Seleucids or Seleucids, I don't even know. They're the kings, they come from the kings of the north, right? And so with that in mind, let's dive deeper into this historical thing here. In case you want, you need some dates, this is from 323 BC to 176 BC. That's the time frame we're talking about here, okay? All right. So Some years later, verse 6, an alliance will be formed between the king of the north and the king of the south. The daughter of the king of the south will be given in marriage to the king of the north to secure the alliance, but she will lose her influence over him, and so will her father. She will be abandoned along with her supporters. But when one of her relatives, it's going to be her brother, becomes king of the south, he will raise an army and enter the fortress of the king of the north and defeat him. So let's push pause right now, because literally this happens in history. Literally. Okay, so you have the king of the north, the king of the south, and, and they were always, not always, but they try to work on some peace deals and all this good stuff. So king of the south since his daughter, Bernice, that's literally her name. You're like, does she work at a diner? No, she didn't work at a diner. Her name's Bernice. It's a classic old name, I guess. She was a daughter of Ptolemy II. Okay? So Ptolemy II sends his daughter, Bernice, to go and marry the guy from the north to try to make some sort of peace treaty. But just know, this is all like maneuvering is really what it kind of comes down to. Okay? Just trying to gain some leverage, right? But 
she will lose her influence over him, and uh, so will her father. So it goes bad. She's given a marriage to Antiochus, or I can't remember how they said it on the Bible Project video, but I'm going to call him Antiochus. Antiochus II, that's who she married. And then he ends up dying, and then she ends up getting murdered by his, like, Antiochus II previous wife, I believe. She had Bernice murdered, okay? Lovely family tree here. Um, just fantastic. You thought your family reunions were fun and interesting. Just imagine being part of this family here. They were like literally killing each other. <laughs> literally, they were murdering each other. Um, you know why they didn't live too long, right? Because they're like, you can't go to sleep. You can't go to sleep. I don't know who's going to try to come in here and kill me. Like, which brother or sister or in-law? It was just a mess. Just a big mess. And remember, this is all connected to that one general who took over when Alexander the Great had passed away. So Bernice, in that whole plan, doesn't pan out, okay? It says she loses her influence over him. Uh, she will be abandoned with her supporters. And that's where she gets, that's the idea there, that she gets murdered. She literally was murdered. And then her brother avenges her, okay? And that's what the Bible says, when one of her relatives, and we know this, historically it's her brother, becomes king of the south, he will raise up, now this is uh, Ptolemy III, he will raise up an army and enter the fortress of the king of the north and defeat him. And we know that historically that's exactly what happened. Ptolemy III built up an army, went up there, took over, okay? Just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It says, when he returns to Egypt, he will carry back their idols with him, along with the priceless articles of gold and silver. For some years afterward, he will leave the king of the north alone. So there's a time period of no drama, all right? It goes on to say, verse 9, later the king of the north will invade the realm of the king of the south, but will soon return to his own land. However, the sons of the king of the north will assemble a mighty army that will advance like a flood and carry the battle as far as the enemy's fortress. Okay, so the sons, two sons, Seleucus III and Antiochus III. Okay, those are the two sons, right? This is verse 11. Then in a rage, the king of the south will rally against the vast forces assembled by the king of the north and will defeat them. After the enemy army is swept away, the king of the south will be filled with pride and will execute many thousands of his enemies, but his success will be short-lived. A few years later, the king of the north will return with fully equipped army far greater than before. At that time, there will be a general uprising against the king of the south. Violent men among your own people will join them in fulfillment of this vision, meaning Israel will partner with these guys to help to gain victory, okay? But they will not succeed. Then the king of the north will come and will lay siege to a fortified city and capture it. The best troops of the south will not be able to stand in the face of the onslaught. The king of the north will march on onward unopposed. None will be able to stop him. He will pause in the glorious land of Israel, intent on destroying it. He will make plans to come with might of his entire kingdom and will form an alliance with the king of the south. He will give him a daughter. That's going to be Cleopatra, but not the Cleopatra that you're thinking of with Mark Anthony. She comes 100 years later, okay? But she is related. They are related. Different Cleopatra, though in marriage in order to overthrow the kingdom from within, but his plan will fail, okay? So you just see, like, 
this angel is like just distilling all this info to Daniel. He's like, all right, so here, here's what's going to happen, Daniel. King of the south, king of the north, bada bing, bada boom. They're just going to keep on fighting and fighting and fighting. And your people are going to be involved in this, but primarily because they're stuck in the middle. They're stuck in the middle. But this is what's happening. This is what's going to happen in a couple hundred years. And then I could just see Daniel like writing notes like, wait, Okay, are we talking about the king of the north again, or is this the south guy? Wait, this is north or south? I don't know, because I can't even keep up and I'm reading this thing. And it's like, he's like, no, just write this down. Write this down. This will definitely be relevant for the nation of Israel in a few hundred years. For us, we get to look back on this, and we're like, okay, that's cool. Here's what the, the best thing for us is that we look back on it, and we're like, well, that happened just like the Bible said it was going to happen. That happened exactly, scarily so, exactly how the Bible said it was going to happen. And you shouldn't be too concerned with that. Like, because I know it's in these moments where the enemy likes to come in and be like, see, how can you possibly believe that Daniel got this message exactly like that? There's just no way. It had to be somebody who witnessed these events taking place and then reinserting this story. Besides, if they did that, what's the big deal anyways? You're like, yeah, that's right. That sounds more logical, I guess. You don't have to listen to that voice. You don't have to, you don't have to, any of those doubts that are, if they're trying to make their way into your head and into your heart, you just stop them and say, you know what? No. Because here's what I know. God knew all this stuff was going to happen. And if he wanted to, he could have included everybody's name in this story. He could have said, no, it's going to be Bernice. I'm like, Bernice? (laughs) Yeah, Bernice is going to be the daughter. Oh, yeah, and it's going to be Cleopatra. And he could have done all that because he's done that before with names. With names. It's no big deal to God. God already knows. So when we can go through this stuff and it can trigger doubts and all this good stuff, but when we allow that to come in, it steals from us a sense of comfort and security. Because what we should find comfort in is the fact that like, man, God is in control. Like he's in way more control than what I even know about, what I even think about. Nothing gets past him. And he's down to like, the minute details of like, Bernice, yeah, Bernice is going to marry this dude. And then that's not even going to work out. And then Cleopatra, she's part of this plan. And yeah, and that's not even going to work out. And we're like, why is that even, that's, why is it in there? Because God cares about the details. And what's encouraging about that is that God cares about the details of your life. If he cares about Bernice and Cleopatra and these two sons, and I can promise you this, he cares about your life. He cares about the very minute details of your life. He absolutely does. You're like, well, it's not written down in this book. It doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to be, okay? You live today. You live now, right? So you should take comfort in the fact that the Holy Spirit of God, God, the third person of the triune God, dwells inside of you, dwells inside of you, way better than having your name in somewhere, finding it in the Bible, okay? The better book is the book of life. That's where you really want your name written in, okay? If you're going to pick one, like, yeah, put me in that one. I like reading these stories. This is the word of God. I mean, it'd be an honor to be, and technically you are in here, but we won't go through any of that stuff, but look, 
the main thing is he is so just, he's so much in control. And the Bible word there is sovereign. That's the good church word. He is sovereign. He's in control. He loves you. He cares about you. And if your family drama looks anything like this, he cares about that as well. Okay? He cares about that as well. And you're like, man, if he can work something out of this, sweet. Lord, take my family too. I don't know. Do something with it. But he's showing how history, how the pieces of the puzzle are going to be shifting around and moving into the right pieces. Some of this would be prophecy that historically has been fulfilled. And then some of it, we're going to start transitioning into some that has, it's like a, it's been fulfilled, but it's yet to be fulfilled kind of prophetic realm, right? So, cause we still got to get to this like despicable person. Cause there's like a, there's a despicable person that is, uh, hasn't been mentioned yet. One of these rulers, look at, um, verse 18 after this, he will turn his attention to the coastland and conquer many cities. But a commander from another land will put an end to his insolence and cause him to retreat in shame. He will take refuge in his own fortress, but will stumble and fall and be seen no more. So this guy who's ruling at this point in time, all his scheming and all that good stuff, I can send, give him a, my daughter, Cleopatra, and all this, and we're going to work this plan out and all this good stuff, it, it just comes to nothing. He, this guy ends up dying, okay? Verse 20, his successor will send out a tax collector to maintain the royal splendor, but after a very brief reign, he will die, though not from anger or in battle, okay? So, and we know that there was, um, and I didn't write this dude's name down. It might be in this portion from um, Haley's handbook that I'll read, but there was a guy who, who he came into, his dad had died, and so he was now the ruler. And so what he thought the best thing to do was just, let's heavily tax everybody. We're going to tax everybody. Funds are low, let's tax the people. Well, that didn't go over so well. That didn't go over so well. And he, he just didn't last that long, okay? So he comes to an end. Verse 21 is where we get into Antiochus. That's how I pronounce it, Antiochus Epiphanes. This is the scum of the earth guy. This dude's horrible. This dude's, he's wretched, right? So 21, basically 21 through 35 kind of deals with this guy. It says the next to come to power will be a despicable man. See, my Bible even says he's despicable, okay? So I don't feel bad about calling him that at all. He was despicable. He's horrible. Uh, he will not be in heaven, by the way, this dude. So don't even worry about it. You're never going to meet this guy. He will not be there. I know that. I would like to say with 100% accuracy. Actually, I think we're safe to say that this dude will not be there. But here's Antiochus Epiphanes, despicable man, who is not in the line for royal succession. So this guy weasels his way into a ruling position. Says he will slip in when least expected and take over the kingdom with, by flattery and intrigue. Before him, great armies will be swept away, including a covenant prince, what you need to understand about Antiochus Epiphanes is uh, technically he, was, he wasn't the next one to rule, but I think it was his brother and he murdered his brother, okay? And so he either murdered him or had him murdered so that he could rule, right? So he was able to maneuver his way into this position of ruling. This all happened around 175 BC. He had a nickname for himself or a name that he preferred everybody to call him, and that was... Uh, Theos Epiphanes, Theos Epiphanes, which means God made manifest. 
That's what he liked everybody to call him when he became the ruler. God made manifest. It almost sounds like Emmanuel, God with us. But he's like, no, God made man. I am God is what he's telling everybody. I'm God. He declared that of himself. Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken. You've been listening to Pastor James Grizzle teach through the book of Daniel, helping us understand all of the fascinating things in this book. Imagine a king being debased to eating grass like a cow and looking like a complete barbarian. It sounds like something straight out of Lord of the Rings. There were many lessons for King Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel, and God used Daniel to speak truth to this king of Babylon. Don't you see that no matter what location you're placed in, God can use it for good, for people to turn their hearts towards Him. We hope that your heart is also turned towards God today. Thanks for taking the time to listen to Bread for the Broken. If there's any way that this ministry has impacted you, would you mind sharing that with us? You can get in touch with us through our contact page at breadforthebroken.com. We'd be so happy to meet you in person too. So if you're in the Galveston area, join us this Sunday or Wednesday for worship and Bible study here at Calvary Galveston. You can find directions, service times, and more by visiting our website, breadforthebroken.com. We hope to see you soon. In the meantime, we encourage you to continue reading on your own in the book of Daniel, as you'll discover so many things that God wants to teach you from Daniel's example. Next time, Pastor James will pick up where he left off and keep covering passages in this Old Testament book right here on Bread for the Broken.